But we're really looking forward to getting back into 2 Corinthians. Last time we were there was December 23rd. We finished up chapter 5. Dean will be starting up on chapter 6 next Sunday. Personally, I've really enjoyed this four-week series called Staying on Track. This is the fourth Sunday in the series. And it's really all about our mission and our core values. So this is a pause. This is a break from what we normally do. The first two weeks in January, we explored our mission as Windsor Community Church and our mission as believers. And our mission at Windsor Community Church is leading people into a leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's right. And we talked about our mission as believers that goes hand in hand with that, which comes out of Matthew 28. It's really the last instructions that Jesus gives his disciples. And he says, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he goes on to say at the end that, lo, behold, I am with you always. And that's our mission as believers, is to make disciples, leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, praying that God would grab people out of the harvest and that they would be trained up to send back into the harvest. That's our mission. John 17 says in verse 18, Jesus is praying to the Father and he says, As thou sent me into the world, Father, I also have sent them into the world. You and I, that's our job. That's why we're here, is to make disciples. However, we are going to be ineffective in making disciples if our priorities are out of whack. And last week we talked about our priorities. What are our priorities? Our priorities are really fellowship and intimacy, worship with the living God of the universe. And our first two core values at Windsor are our intimacy with God and encountering God in His Word. So we talked about our first two core values at Windsor, and that is our priorities, intimacy with God and encountering Him in His Word. Our greatest joy, our first priority in life must be spending time at the Lord's feet. As we talked about last week with Mary, Mary spent time at the Lord's feet just soaking in His words. Sometimes it's a matter of what's good and what's best. We all have a lot of things we got to do. we got to work. We've got families that we love that we want to spend time with. We want to be faithful to both of those. We want to enjoy the world that the Lord's given us. He's put us in Windsor, Colorado, and for those of you that are from California, there's a bunch of you, Back row, middle row, side row. Welcome to Colorado. Welcome to Colorado. This is, it's going to be close to 60 degrees today. And there are so many fun things to do. We are 45 minutes from the mountains. And i got one brother that's going, Hardy, don't do this to me. We're 45 minutes from the mountains. You know, we're, we're a two-hour plane ride back to uh, Corinth, I mean California. It, uh, <laughs> so it's, it's totally, totally accessible. But all these things that are good that the Lord's given us, They should never replace sitting at the feet of Jesus and just hearing him speak so that we can hear the priority that it's so clear that it informs everything we do. It leads us to see his beauty, his glory. It encourages and prompts us to love him more, to obey him, to serve him and proclaim him. So our mission is to make disciples. Our priority is to worship him, to spend time at his feet, listening and soaking up his word and being able to communicate to him. Now, there's a big football game coming up next Sunday. I digress. It's called the Super Bowl. There's a couple of teams, uh, New York Giants, New England Patriots, a couple of high-profile quarterbacks, Tom Brady and Peyton's brother, (laughs) Eli. 
Now, these guys, these two quarterbacks, have a mission. They've had a mission all year long. And their mission is to what? It's to get to the Super Bowl and win it. That's their mission. Their contract is made that way. They make a lot of money if they can get to the Super Bowl. They make a lot more money if they can win the Super Bowl. These quarterbacks also have priorities. Their priorities during the year to accomplish their mission is to practice, is to watch game films, is to eat right. For Tom Brady, is to keep his girlfriend away from the games. If for those of you that are football players, those are their priorities. Now, next Sunday, it's game time. It is game time. It is, it is time for them to execute their mission. And their execution is going to be an outflow of their what? Of their priorities, of their practice, of their eating healthy, of their watching the game film. As Christians, we have our mission, which is making disciples. Our priority, which is pursuing intimacy with the Lord and encountering God in His Word. And now comes a time for execution. And that's our good works. It's our good works. Which is the outflow, or it's a response to our priority. If we're truly encountering God in His Word... If we're truly pursuing intimacy with Him, all this stuff that we're going to talk about today is going to be an outflow of that, an outpouring. And if we're not doing that, if we're not motivated to do that, we can go back to our priority, that we're probably not worshiping the Lord. Our good works, this is the, this is the third message in the series of Staying on Track, subtitled Our Good Works. And we're going to talk about our third, fourth, fifth, and sixth core values, which is community with believers, Passionate service, relational evangelism, and proactive multiplication. And we're going to watch a short video, uh, about a minute and a half is all. Imagine a church where every member is passionately, wholeheartedly, and recklessly calling the shots. I have a busy work week, and by the time Sunday rolls around, I'm tired. So how about a church service that starts when I get there? Can do. When you arrive, we begin. This guy, he plays by his own rules. We want to find a church where if he starts screaming, we're not the bad guys. Say no more. If your baby's screaming, you stay seated. The others around you can leave. You know, financially, Sherry and I don't give a lot to the church, but we'd sure like to know who does. All right, if you join now, you'll know what every person gives in detail. When I'm in the church service, can my car get a buff and a wax? Not just that, but an oil change and a tune-up. Hey, how about tickets to the Super Bowl? That's asking too much. I'm serious. If I'm going to join, I want tickets to the big game. All right. You join now, and we'll get you there. I like a pony. Look in your backyard. Me Church, where it's all about you. That's what we're all about. I'm sorry. I just had to do that. You know, it's just, it's, it's a complete opposite what we're all about. We're about spending time at the feet of Jesus, desiring to make disciples, and our desire is to have our outflow of that be our good works. I tried to hang this message up on a passage. I just couldn't do it. It was just hard to hang on it. You know, so um, I want to start, if you'd open your Bibles to Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, and this will at least uh, get our hearts, I think, pointed in the right direction. Let's ask the Lord to, to bless our time. God, we just thank you that you are the head of this church, that you are the head of every local church and the universal church. God, that we're body parts. 
Lord, we are people that are made fearfully and wonderfully, that we're gifted uniquely and perfectly. And God, we thank you that you have preordained good works for us to walk in them. And Lord, we are not saved by works. We're saved by grace. Lord, we acknowledge that it is a 100% work of your sovereign grace that our feet are on firm ground, that we are destined to spend an eternity with you. It's nothing we did. Yet, Lord, we we just desire to be faithful in using the, the beautiful way you've made each of us to produce fruit, to produce good works. So, God, I just pray that I would not get in the way of your word. Lord, that my opinions and my applications would not interfere with what it is you want to say to each of our hearts. And I just pray, God, that our hearts be moldable. Lord, uh, we would leave this place just desiring to know more than ever, as Chris prayed earlier, just the magnitude of your amazing sacrifice and the depth of your amazing love for us. And Lord, out of that knowledge would be just be an outpouring of our service and our works to each other and to this lost and dying world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, let's read Ephesians 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And that's really the main point of the message, I guess, is that we are created for good works. We're created to worship the Lord. We're created to make known His name and to edify one another with our gifts. The first core value that we're going to take a look at is community groups. The quality of our community. And you really, this, this core value could also read community with believers. Okay, because that's really the value, community with believers. Community groups is a vehicle that we use at Windsor Community Church to create, if you will, or encourage community with believers. When those outside see exceptional community, it convinces them of the truth of Jesus' message. It attracts them personally toward those who follow him. In addition, the quality of our community is essential to Christian growth. It's essential to Christian growth. Jesus did not educate his disciples in a classroom. If you think about Jesus' life, the disciples walked with him. They did life with him. They sat at his feet. Classroom relationships bring students together mainly at a cognitive level, but Jesus incorporated his disciples into a community of persons that lived together, ate together, and played together. Communities are places not just for information transfer, but for modeling and growth and wisdom. Only in that setting will the gospel be worked into the fabric of our daily lives and our hearts. So then community is much more than a classroom setting. It's much more than coming together for events where we exchange data or share social activities or even give one another temporary emotional support. You know, the Lord used an encounter with a brother of mine this week to really Help me understand in a way like I've never understood before what biblical community looks like. Community is life together. It's conducting the daily activities of life with other believers. It means preparing and eating meals together. It means doing the dishes together. It means painting houses together, helping people move, bringing meals when there's, when there's sickness and when there's, when there's new birth. And this body characterizes that in an amazing way. I can't tell you how many times, over the last year in particular, where this body has been all over the Cooper family. 
This body has been all over our family. As we moved from our house of 12 years and encountered some, some financial difficulty, where the word got out that we needed, our house was hot, hottest summer on record. We didn't have an air conditioner. I mean, it's like three fans show up on our front porch. And then somebody provides a $2,000 check for us to buy an air conditioning unit. I mean, that's the body of Christ operating in community. And if we weren't plugged into community, guess what? The body would never know about our needs. It's important to be in community. It means spontaneous as well as structured time together. You know, one of the things that, that I'm really convinced of and convicted of is that community with believers is much bigger. And the Lord wants much more than one Thursday night a week, one Friday night a week, one Saturday night a week, one Sunday night a week, in what we call community group. I know there's times where I've checked the box. So we got community group at our house on Sunday night. I'll lazily prepare something. I will half-heartedly engage. And then another week goes by and I'm with the same people again on Sunday night. I would submit to you that true biblical community is living with each other in the crud of life and in the joy of life day in and day out. For Christian community to happen, believers need to inhabit each other's space where we eat, where we play, where we learn, and where we serve together. Really, as I was looking at God's Word, I came with really two, really just two keys to community. And there's a lot of things that flow out of that. The first one, the first key is we got to gather. We got to be together. Duh. We got to be together. Hebrews 10, 22 through 25. And I got to tell you, if you're note takers, most of the scriptures are up there, but there's just going to be a lot of scripture because they're really not one scripture that I'm hanging this thing on. So I guess there's not a lot of downside with a lot of scripture, is there? I don't think so. Hebrews 10, 22 to 25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. How are we going to stimulate one another to love and good deeds? Without being together. Without being with each other. Without knowing what our hurts are. What our struggles are. To be able to celebrate the joys and praise the Lord together. And it goes on to say, not forsaking our own assembly. Let's say that again. Not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some. And I'm convinced this just isn't Sunday morning. As we're going to see in Acts 2, believers gathered in the temple Sunday morning here, and they gathered in small groups. Not forsaking our own assembling together is a habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. And what he's saying there is that the heat's going to get turned up. God says in his word, the heat's going to get turned up. And we need each other. And if we're not assembling together as a community of believers, we're going to get eaten up, and the roaring lion is going to rip us apart. So I need you. I need you. Would you look at somebody next to you and say, I need you? No fair, all you husbands and wives sitting together. (laughs) Acts 2. If you want to know, see a beautiful picture of the church, read the second chapter of Acts. It's the New Testament model. It's the New Testament church. And it says this, and this is the context here is that 3,000 people just gave their lives to Christ. The Holy Spirit came upon them, changed the hearts of stone and the hearts of flesh, and the church was born. And it says this, all who had believed were together and had all things in common. Now there's different tribes and different tongues and different nations that were saved here. 
And they had all things in common, and they began selling their property and possessions, and were sharing them with all, as anyone might have need. And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, which is the large gathering, that's, that's our equivalent to Sunday morning gathering, and breaking bread from house to house. That's small groups, that's community groups. Breaking bread, that's, that's, that's eating together. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. So the first key to re- and the first requirement to biblical community is we got to be together. And I want to encourage anybody that's here that is a part of this body that if you're not connected with other believers that can lift you up before the throne of grace, that can encourage you, that can pray for you, that can hold you accountable to sin in your life, that can admonish you and keep pointing you towards the cross, you're missing it. You're missing it. And those of you that are new here today, this is a big part of who we are. We gathered as a leadership team last summer, and we talked about what's one of the most important things we want to keep in front of the body, and it was community groups. It was community. Because we feel like that's an environment where people can really grow together. The second requirement is God-focused fellowship. And this is really where the Lord has ministered to my heart this week. You know, yeah, I know, and I think you know, that our common bond here at Windsor Community Church is Jesus Christ and His sacrifice on the cross. That's why we're here. But oftentimes, when we are together in community, one of the last things we talk about is Jesus and our faith. Now, I'm all over talking about the Super Bowl. I'm all over talking about men's exercise stuff that I'm still hurting from. Just a side note, if John Keppinger or Scott Polly corners you, don't look them in the eye. Because they're going to invite you to something that's going to make you hurt. So I'm all over that stuff. But even in those environments, we want our focus and our celebration to be Jesus and who we are in Christ. 1 John 1, 3 through 4. Write this verse down and take a look at it. I'm certain I've read this a hundred times before. It says, What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, that you also may have fellowship with us. However, or and, but, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And what He's saying here is, is come have fellowship. Join our fellowship that is a fellowship of what? It's fellowship with the Father and with Jesus. So our community with believers needs to continually be surrounded by that. You know, I I had uh, Nance look at this message last night, and she just reminded me of some of the things that encourage her, and these things encourage me too. And it's when I'm with, with brothers that are asking me questions about, Dan, what's God teaching you this week? Where are you at in His Word? You know, what? how can I pray for you? You know, that is biblical fellowship. And also, how about the Rotten Broncos? You know, or, or how about the Rockies going to the World Series? I mean, that's cool. God's made us that way. But let's not make that our whole focus. Let's look at this second core value. Passionate about service. Here at Windsor Community Church, we want to be passionate about using our gifts to serve the Lord. We want to be passionate about using our gifts and talents to serve the community. We need to do a few things before we can be passionate about our service. First, we need to understand our gifts. And, you know, I turned 50 in August. And I'm guessing there's a few people 
out there like me, maybe not that old, but like me, in the fact that you're still trying to figure out the way the Lord's made you. You know, I mean, it's like we're serving and maybe in children's, we're serving in youth, we're serving in the nursery, we're serving in the worship team, whatever. And maybe we just don't have a passion for that. And sometimes when we don't have a passion for something, it could be sin. But more times than not, it's because we're serving outside our giftedness. Now, let me say this, because some of you are already making notes. Send email to Dan. It's okay to serve outside your giftedness. It's okay. Because there's some times where there's a need that needs to be... And i gotta, um, I got to tell you, I'm not sure how the Hendrickson community group is gifted. I know some are gifted. But this community group has served faithfully in the middle school youth group. And there's some of them there that don't feel gifted. They don't feel necessarily called. But they saw a need and they jumped on it. That's beautiful. Long term, though, it's not sustainable, is it? Long-term, there's other passions that you got, and you want to move on. So just a side note, we need middle school and high school youth group leaders. If you're over 35, don't bother, apply. (laughs) Right, middle schoolers? Nancy told me about a prayer that one of the middle school kids prayed with two of the middle school youth group leaders there. He said, Lord, would you please bring a middle school youth group leader that is young I don't know what else, but young. (laughs) So understand your gifts. And if if you're out there not really knowing how you're wired, and i got to tell you, every one of you is wired perfectly. Perfectly. God says that you're you're made fearfully and wonderfully, knit together in your mother's womb. And he's given you unique gifts that he wants you to use. And if we can help you with that, we've got some tools that are man-made tools, but they're valuable tools. So just write on your welcome card, need help understanding my spiritual gifts, and put it in the giving box, and we'll, and we'll help you out there. 1 Corinthians 12 says, But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You know what the manifestation of the Spirit is? It's our gifts. It's, it's really how we, we make known the grace of God to one another is by serving one another. And for the common good, that means using our gifts in the body. Second thing about passionate service, the second way to employ passionate service is uh, serving the church. I already gave some of that away. Uh, Romans twelve six, And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each exercise them. God tells us to use our gifts. Use our gifts. And I've got to tell you, don't compare. It says here, since we have gifts that differ accordingly, he's given us different gifts so that we can complement one another. Some are arms, some are feet, some are ears, some are eyes. And without any of those, the body doesn't function properly. Galatians 6.10 says, So then, while we have the opportunity, let us do good to all men. And especially, especially to those who are in the household of God. We need to make sure that we're serving first each other before we serve the community. John 13.35, By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you show love for one another. The first place to start in serving the community is serving and loving each other. Because that's how they'll know that we're Christ's disciples by loving one another. And I just want to to emphasize this. This church, in my opinion, epitomizes service amongst believers. And I think if, if you've got needs and you want to be served or you need to be served, I don't know if we ever 
yeah, it's kind of a weird thing. Um, get involved in community and make, make your needs known. Because I know that there is 150 people in here that would love to come alongside you and pray for you, give financially, provide food, whatever it takes. Third is serve the community. Matthew 5, 14, 16 says, You are the light of the world, church. You are the light of the world. You're a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do men light a lamp and put it under a peck measure, but on the lampstand so everybody can see it. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine, church, before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Be a light on the hill. And I can think of so many examples this last year of people that have served the community. The high school deal is a prime example of that. I don't know what's going on and how the Lord is using that. And maybe we'll, we'll hear testimony someday. But we are a light to that school. We are a light to a nursing home in town because of a couple of faithful ladies. And we are a light in many areas in this community and coffee shops in town. You know, we got a couple of guys that just spend their time being a light in the coffee shop. Next core value, relational evangelism. We put relational on here for a reason. A core value used to be just evangelism. But when we examine the scriptures, we examine Jesus' life, and we examine Paul, what they did, for the most part, is they built relationships, for the redemptive relationships, for the purpose of leading people to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Most people have heard the gospel in this room via a friend or someone they already knew. In fact, I'm going to ask for a raise of hands. Anybody that was led to Christ by, in the context of a relationship, raise your hand. Raise it high. Higher. About 70, 80%. I know stories of people that were saved at, at crusades, but even at crusades, typically there's somebody that invited them there. You know, I know people who were saved at promise keepers. I know somebody that was saved in front of the TV watching Billy Graham. I can't give that one to a friendship. But it is the number one way that people are saved. After all, that's why we're here to make disciples. We are stewards of the manifold grace of God. We are the mouthpiece for Christ to be able to share the good news. Next slide. This state employee in Texas, it was his job to paint the lines on the street. And he thought it was somebody else's job to remove the possum. And I want to submit to you that, that part of our job, if I can use that word, our mission is to make disciples. And we're not all gifted in evangelism. I'm not gifted in mercy, but I'm called to be merciful. I, some of us aren't gifted in evangelism, but we're, we, I guarantee you that there are a number of opportunities in each of our lifetimes to open our mouth, to respond to somebody that is asking a question. So the question is, how do I do it? We're not going to be able to unpack this fully today, but how do I do it? First of all, pray. Pray. Colossians 4 says, devote yourselves to prayer, church. Paul talking to the church in Colossae. Devote yourselves to prayer. Keep an alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Praying at the same time for us as well. Paul's saying, pray for us. We're out there evangelizing. Pray for what? That God may open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been imprisoned in order that I may make clear in a way I ought to speak. What a great 
prayer for us as families and community groups. Lord, would you open up a door for us to share the word, to speak the word in our workplace, in our neighborhoods. And make it clear, Lord, the way I ought to speak. That's the first place to start. You know, we can offer a class, and maybe we will someday, or maybe the community groups will do it. We can, give you, we can memorize a Roman road. We can memorize other ways of sharing the gospel, evangelism. But the very first place to start is, Lord, open some doors for me. Acts 2.47, this is this group of people that were moving from the, from the temple or from the church to homes, eating meals with each other. And here's what they were doing. They were praising God. They were worshiping God and having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day. Emphasis on praising God. And I made a note here. Somebody coined the phrase, seven for heaven. We've done this in community group before. But I would encourage you as families, as community groups, to establish a seven for heaven list. Get names of people in front of you that you work with, that your kids play soccer with, neighbors that you're committed to praying for daily. I was talking to a good friend of mine last week. He's got a number of friends in his life that are lost, that don't know the Lord. And the very first place to start is praying for them. Make that list. Keep it on the fridge. When you pray as a family, pray for them. It's not mystical. It's not magical. But there's something about keeping prayer requests in front of us and praying for the same thing, same people over and over. Next is behavior. So we're praying for people. I guess we can pray. We can pray, Lord, open a way for me to share the word. Pray. And then I'm out front and I rip the neighbor's head off because his dog did his thing in my yard. Or I rip somebody's head off on the phone because they didn't respond the way I wanted them to respond. It says in Colossians 4, 5 through 6, conduct yourselves, behave yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders. So many times we've all heard the term, I don't want to blow my witness. I don't want to blow my witness. Well, the reason that we say that and the reason we don't want to blow our witness is because we don't want to blow our witness. We want to have the opportunity to share the gospel. Conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace. This is towards outsiders. Seasons, as it were, with salt, so that you may know how you should respond to each person. Pray. Watch your behavior, especially among outsiders, because sometimes outsiders are the ones that irritate us the most, right? The Democrats. I'm independent, by the way. People that think different than we do, we get ticked off, don't we? In conversations with people about political things, about even spiritual things like creation, about prayer in school, Those things tick us off. Those things are good. Yes, I'd like to have prayer in school. Yes, I'd like to see our country embrace marriage of different genders. But don't get ticked off to the point where you're blowing your witness with people. Okay? Because they need Jesus. And when they get Jesus, guess what? Those behaviors, that thinking starts changing doesn't mean they're going to go Republican, necessarily. 
Okay. As, as you know, some of you know that my spiritual gift is, you know. Pray for people. Watch your behavior. Next is, I coined it, invite. Put yourself in the way of unbelievers. I love this verse in Luke 5. You've all read it a million times. It's about when Jesus pulled Levi, Matthew, to follow him. And listen to this. After that, he went out, Jesus, and he noticed a tax gatherer named Levi sitting in the tax office. And tax gatherers were the worst people back then. I mean, they, they're like stockbrokers. I was a stockbroker for 20 years, I can say that. He noticed a tax gatherer named Levi sitting in the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. And Levi left everything behind, immediately picked up and followed Christ, and rose and began to follow him. And Levi gave a big reception for Christ in his house, and there was a great crowd of tax gatherers and other people who were reclining at the table with them. Picture Jesus, the Lord, and Matthew, or Levi, this tax collector, who is who has given up his practice of bilking people out of money, and is following Jesus, yet he invited all of his crooked friends to sit with Jesus and recline and, and laugh and listen to Jesus' words. And the Pharisees and their scribes began grumbling at the disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax gatherers and sinners? Why do you do that? And Jesus said to them, Get this, it is not those who are well that need a physician, but those who are sick. I got goosebumps. And I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Brothers and sisters, it starts gathering in community. It starts gathering as a community of believers. But it doesn't end there. We will be spiritual dwarfs for the rest of our lives. This church and the kingdom of God won't grow because even though he is sovereign and he's the one who draws, we are the deliverers of the gospel. And if we're not with the tax gatherers, how are we ever going to proclaim the message? 1 Corinthians 9, For though I am free from all men, this is Paul talking, I have made myself a slave to all that I might win the more. I have become all things to all men that I may by all means save some. What Paul's saying here is that he's with people basically that he enjoys being with. Okay? Okay? He's all things to all people. Paul is a chameleon of sorts. He never sheds what he's all about, and that's gospel-centered. But he's not afraid to eat the food of the Ethiopians. He's not afraid to dress like however they dressed in Samaria. So, church, let's be all things to all men that we might save some. And isn't it interesting that Paul understands that he's got something to do with it? God is sovereign. It is God's work completely But somehow, the sovereign God of the universe has decided to use us. Next is be ready. Pray, conduct yourselves, put yourself in front of people, invite, and be ready. Be ready. Okay, so I've done all these things. I prayed. You know, I'm 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 good. I'm not I'm not screaming at the refs at the basketball game. I'm inviting people into my house, and now somebody says this. Listen to 1 Peter 3. And who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? 
First of all, believer, if you're proven zealous for what is good, you're desiring to follow Jesus. You're Teflon. Ain't nothing nobody can do to you. I'm in America, they're probably not going to kill you. You might lose your job. You might lose a friend. You might have a parent not talk to you. But ultimately, how can they harm you? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you're blessed. And do not fear their intimidation. And do not be troubled. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Yet with gentleness and reverence. They're observing your life. And they're saying, there's something different about you. There's something different about you. How is it that you could go through this loss and still say that you trust and love Jesus? How is it that you can lose your job and still be joyful? Be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. This is way too long, but take a look at it. Acts 8, 26 through 40. This is Philip. Philip was going along the way. He was asking the Lord to give him opportunities. The Lord says, hey, there's a, there's a guy on a, on a chariot. Philip went down there, sat with the guy. The guy was reading out of the Old Testament. And the guy asked Philip, basically, what does this mean? Philip shared the gospel. The guy immediately was saved. And the guy said, there's water there. Can I get baptized? Now, Philip was just ready. He, he listened to the Lord. The Lord told him where to go and who to open his mouth to. And i got to tell you, we can be equipped better. I can be equipped better. But the very first things are just being available. Pray, conduct yourselves in a worthy manner, put yourself in front of non-believers, and just be ready. Just be ready. You don't have to have the answers. You don't have to have the answers. It's not bad to have the answers. But don't wait until you have everything locked up. Last core value is proactive multiplication. We are responsible to pass along to others the knowledge, skills, and opportunities that have been entrusted to us for personal, small group, and church multiplication. Proactive multiplication is a core value for us. If we look, there's two different types of multiplication. One is discipleship and apprenticing. 2 Timothy 2 says, And the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to faithful men and women and children who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me, as, with me as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. It's the model of discipleship. We want to pass on to others what we're learning. This operates in community group. We desire to have ministries continuing to multiply. Not that people, we don't want people to own ministries for a lifetime. If you're a community group leader, our desire is for you to have an apprentice. Somebody that can come alongside you, that you can pass on to the things that the Lord's teaching you. If you're a children's leader, if you are nursery, wherever you're serving, worship leader, have an apprentice. Have an apprentice. Church planting is a second type of multiplication. We are committed to church planting. You know, we'll probably never be a church of a thousand people. We'll probably never be a church of a thousand people. Because our desire is to continue planting churches. That's our heart here. I'll give you some scriptures. I'm not going to read them, but the, the book of Acts is full of it. Acts 2, Acts 11, 13, 14, 15. Those are key chapters. And not to mention the Great Commission, not to mention Acts 1, 8, that you'll be my witnesses. Dozens of denominational studies have confirmed that the average new church gains most of its new members 60 to 
from the ranks of people who are not attending any worship today. While churches that are 10 to 15 years old, they gain 80 to 90% of their new members from where? From other churches. Those are hard and fast facts. And the, the ratio of converts in a new church versus a church that's over 10 years old is just is mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling. So what it does for us is it, it keeps us healthy. It keeps us moving, keeps us active, keeps us dependent on the Lord. And I don't know what it looks like. Windsor is a place where there's not a lot of really young folks that are just out of college. And typically churches are planted by people that are a little more mobile. But I just trust that the Lord is going to use us in some way. I really believe that we're going to be a sending church. We want to be a part of many other church plants, uh, both sending people and sending money. And quite frankly, I could see us be a church that sends a lot more money than we do people. I don't know for sure. But we live in an affluent community. And my prayer is that the Lord would sovereignly call people to himself, people of means, that have a passion for the gospel, that want to use their time, their talent, and their resources to bring forth the good news of Jesus Christ through the vehicle of church planting. So church planting is a priority for us. It's a core value. Worship team, would you come on up? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we praise you. God, there was uh, lots of information, Lord, that came out of my mouth. And Lord, I trust that you would take the seeds that were planted of your word and that you would use them in our lives. Lord, we want to be about you in your kingdom. Lord, keep us from ever being just comfortable. Keep us from being comfortable. Don't let us confuse that with not enjoying the blessings that you've given us, the blessings of family, the blessings of spouses, of kids, the blessings of each other. The blessings of healthy bodies for some and for for healthy minds for some. For this beautiful area that you've allowed us to live in that has granted so many opportunities for just play and enjoying ourselves. But Lord, I pray that, that we would not get stuck in comfort. But Lord, that we'd keep pressing on in dependence on you. Lord, our desire is to be connected to the vine, to Jesus Christ, 24-7 where we draw all of our sustenance and our power to be able to fulfill our mission. And Lord, I do pray that this church would be a a light on the hill in Windsor and Loveland, other communities where people in this body live. And Lord, that we would just keep pressing on. And God, would you please bear fruit, continue to bear fruit in this ministry, the fruit of new lives, of new life in Christ and the fruit of disciples growing in the love and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.